0: Off and the clock has started. This is twenty minutes you'll never get back. She is absolutely correct. This is twenty minutes you'll never get back. My name is Doug Prezak. I'd like to welcome you to this episode, and I would like to give a special thanks out to Twee from San Jose for uh, being this episode's announcer. Fantastic job! Little round of applause for you, and thank you very much. And speaking of applause, a little bit of. <laughs> A little bit of self-promotion here. Don't forget you can uh follow me if you'd like on Instagram. My uh my name at Instagram is 20 M Y N G B. That's 20 minutes you'll never get back, but I couldn't use all those words. So it's 20 M Y N G B. And yes, I had to keep looking down at a piece of paper to get those letters straight. Anyway, if you follow me on that, you'll get notified when there's uh when there's a, a episode has been posted, or when I'm thinking about the next one. So, help little insight to my brain there, if you'd like. Uh, see, today uh, this topic. Well, I had a hard time coming up with this topic because you know the the pandemic is really besides screwing up everybody's lives. In general, in the health of the world in general, it's also caused a lot of things to kind of get shut down. I mean, I'd love to talk about uh, cruises or ball games or running around at, at at the beach, but there's so many things now that are impacting that. It's kind of hard, and and the reason it's hard is because I don't want to keep talking about hey, you remember when we used to be able to go to a ball game? Or, hey, let's talk about roller coasters and how much fun they are. Oh, yeah, we can't go on those. But there's one thing that's gone by the wayside, and I don't think it's going to come back for quite a while. And that's something that I miss. You ready for it? It's buffets. Who doesn't like a good buffet? And they're gone. You can't do that anymore for obvious reasons. (laughs) You think about it, you know, now that we know so much about transmission of microorganisms and germs and diseases we knew it all before but we always looked the other way especially when you got to a buffet and yeah they put up that whole sneeze guard thing but how many people have handled that little fork in front of you or dropped a mushroom and then tossed it back in the <laughs> in the bin now we kind of cringe when we think about it but buffets are no more and i miss them i really do and now i'm getting hungry But I want to talk about buffets and uh, a little bit of the history because that's what I do. And you would know what else I do. I did some research so you don't have to. So let's look into buffets. Grab yourself a tray and let's slide down the buffet of history here as we talk about uh, buffets. Sweden and France were the first countries to uh, formalize the whole uh, buffet concept the Swedish smorgasbord. That originated as a way to feed hungry out-of-town visitors who'd pop in unexpectedly. The term smorgasbord, that didn't sound very Swedish. I'm sorry. Sorry I even tried that. It was an accident. The term smorgasbord translates as buttered breadboard, which is how the original smorgasbord started. It was just bread and butter. Now this grew into a whole side table where one could opt for a Pre-dinner drink or snack, it was an excuse to ease into the main meal by standing among family and friends and peers, celebrating the initiation of dinner, kind of a meal before the meal. Now, I've been on a, a cruise or two, and I will admit, I have stopped off at the buffet in the sort of food court area for a snack on my way to the dining room for dinner, Don't judge. Don't judge. I just consider it now my uh, my homage, my tribute to the early Swedes. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Now, this standing around and chit chatting with uh, friends and family that developed into an occasion that would include actually several sequential courses, beginning with. uh, Oh, yay, Salted fish, (laughs) eggs and boiled vegetables. God, that's the worst buffet ever. Uh, Then moving on to cold cuts, warm entrees, and salads, and ending finally with desserts and coffee. According to food scholars, the term smorgasbord is now defined as sandwiches on a board. Now, the French, they offered a more refined model. The long side tables that would line the dining hall were called buffets, and they still are. Go to Ashley Furniture and say, I'd like to see some buffets. They're not going to take you to food. They're going to take you to the long side tables you put food on. The word buffet actually comes from a 12th century word buffet, (laughs) B-U-F-E-T versus the, now what we call B-U-F-F-E-T. Anyway, buffet meant bench or a stool. Now, the French way of doing things was to fill their lavish buffet tables as a sign of prominence and as a way to focus on entertaining rather than cooking. Since the 19th century, the word buffet in English has referred to a meal served from a sideboard or a sizzler. Now, it's not just the name that comes from elsewhere either. History has provided us with all kinds of images of gods and nobles and royalty and the rich and all kinds of prominent people bathed in meats and grapes and wine and gold and silver and blah, 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 all sharing community dining and sharing the rewards reaped from their wealth and abundance. In the 19th century, supper was a lighter meal offered some hours after the main dinner and was sometimes served as a buffet, especially late at night in the big grand balls. Not everybody at these balls would want to eat at, or even at the same time or in the same quantity, amateurs, and even in a very large building at a large ball, there might not be enough space to seat everybody all at the same time or enough servants to serve them in the manner required by the prevailing customs. In 18th century England and France, for example, the idea of self-service breakfast became appealing to the high classes. They felt it offered more privacy than being waited on hand and foot. And in the early 1900s, buffet luncheons became popular where guests ate standing up. Now, records from old housekeeping books from the era explained that hosts must only serve food that can be eaten with a fork or a spoon at such occasions as the need for knives would have made eating impossible. I'm going to add an exclamation point to that because I've been to a couple of affairs where you stand around and chit-chat with a little plate in your hand, you go through the buffet line, and you know I can barely handle balancing the plate in my hand, let alone trying to stab a meatball with a fork. I usually end up chasing the meatball around my plate with my fork. And the next thing you know, I'm looking at the meatball on the ground. So I sort of nonchalantly kick it away from me and then look at the meatball with disgust and say, who would do something like that? Again, don't judge. The American iteration of this, you like how I use the word iteration? When I typed that in my script, I thought, Doug, you sound so fancy. All right, I'm sorry, I digress. The American iteration of this culinary institution owes some props to the Swedes. You see, back in 1939, the Swedes brought the smorgasbord to America at the 1939 World's Fair in New York. They were offered a sizable selection atop of a rotating platform inside the Three Crowns restaurant. In the Depression era, buffets became quite popular. And that's because they focused on the quantity of food versus the quality of food. I think I've been to a couple buffets that seem to be stuck in that era because (laughs) there is no focus on quality, that's for sure. Even in the homes of wealthy uh, aristocrats, the buffet enabled hostesses to feed large numbers of people at their fancy parties with all their fancy schmancy buffet tables without the need for too many serving staff because, you know, you don't want to have too many serving staff. Alrighty, this is the point in the show where I usually say, I think it's time to take a break. So I'm going to say it. I think this is a good time to take a break. But when we come back, I'm going to tell you about Herb McDonald. He's no relation to Ronald, but I consider Herb to be the patron saint of buffets. Don't go away. Listen to this, and I'll be right back. Choose Ajax, the foaming cleanser. Clean pots and pans, just like a whisk. Ajax cuts grease faster than any other leading cleanser. you the stop the elbow tax when you start cleaning with Ajax. Ajax really polishes as it cleans. So use Ajax, bum, bum. the foaming cleanser. Bum, 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 the dirt, right down the drain. Bum, 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 bum. My gosh, they're right. Foaming action Ajax makes even the dirtiest pan shine like new in a jiffy. So use Ajax. <laughs> and you know what? Ajax is still around today. It's on the shelves, so... I'm not being paid by Ajax. I just happened to grab that old commercial, and but it's Ajax is still there, so there you go. All righty, when we left off, I said I'd talk to you about Herb McDonald. Herb was credited with creating the first all-you-can-eat buffet, but when he did that, he did not have the smorgasbord in mind. He was just trying to keep his gambling customers happy. Again, Herb McDonald, he was no relation to Ronald Corporation in any way, shape, or form. He made his way south to Las Vegas, where he worked as a publicist at one of the first hotels on the Strip, the El Rancho Vegas. Now, the story goes like this. One late night uh, in the mid-1940s, he wandered back into the kitchen, and he brought out some cold cuts, some cheese, and some bread, and he spread them out along the bar to keep uh, hungry customers happy. Now, the late night selection was a hit, and McDonald eventually evolved the menu into a 24 hour, all you can eat buffet called the Buckaroo Buffet. For just $1, people could choose from a selection of cold cuts, salad, and seafood, and, quote, every possible variety of hot and cold entrees to appease the howling coyote in your innards, uh, end quote. <laughs> That's, that was according to a flyer put up by Herb McDonald. You know, Herb's goal in all this was kind of classic Las Vegas, keep people inside the casino longer where they would keep gambling and they would spend more money. So McDonald's bet was that people would get a huge feast for much more user-friendly price, and then they would fill up and then head back towards the blackjack tables or the slot machines. Now, the El Rancho lost money on its Buccaroo Buffet, but it gained it back by promoting customer loyalty and roping in a whole bunch of new patrons. Pretty soon, other establishments along the Strip were copying the idea until nearly every hotel had their own version of a midnight buffet. In addition to revolutionizing the Sin City dining landscape, if you will, Herb McDonald's creation, together with the smorgasbord trend, spawned a buffet bonanza across the United States with restaurants like Sizzler and Hometown Buffet and Golden Corral and a lot of other uh, establishments modeled after Herb's concept. The guests at these buffets tended to be larger families, (laughs) Doug, Doug, larger number families, not not weight reference, larger group of people, uh, also traveling businessmen and people on cruise ships or all-inclusive retreats. Uh, TV commercials influenced the 1980s buffet surge, too. Based on tales of excess from friends and neighbors, Americans flocked to restaurants and their buffets. Once there, you were given a choice between the buffet or a dish off the menu. But pretty quickly, you began to feel like you're missing out if you didn't choose the buffet. Ordering off the menu, you only got one dish, and after all, with a limited amount too. So even if you loved it, you only got what the restaurant deemed was one portion. The buffet, by comparison, was an unlimited amount of large variety of dishes. You know, it was the perfect American combination, if you will, of value and excess Yes, that's a hard truth. Americans do things to excess. I'm sorry, it's just true. Now, there's something magical about walking up to a row of brightly lit fresh fruits and vegetables with the option to pick out and choose maybe three strawberries and four chunks of pineapple and maybe a watermelon slice and some grapes, and then you can go back for more. And if it's breakfast time, you could have... Bacon and sausage pancakes with maple syrup, eggs, hash browns, and again, that's just your first trip through the line. Profiting off of a buffet uh, had turned out to be a real balancing act for a lot of establishments. You know, there's always people looking to stash extra food in their coats and their bags, and there's people trying to show how much they could possibly eat. But the real issue was the cost of the food versus the intake at the cash register. You know, in most of the buffets in Las Vegas, when they were running would go out of business if they stood alone uh, their sole responsibility and they were funded by all the gambling you know, bit by bit uh a lot of these establishments had to close their doors because again, they could not make the profits and a couple other reasons, the uh, American health conscious dining sort of kicked into gear, and people were looking for a a better option for them and Going down a line and filling your plate with uh, fried chickens just probably wasn't the best idea. And then the recession in 2008 also helped to close down a lot of places. There are a few stalwarts that still remain, Sizzler for one and Golden Corral. As a matter of fact, Golden Corral uh, had been named the number one franchiser in the United States their website boasts that they uh, exceed 160 hot and cold items. They're a carving station for meat, bakery, salad station. Uh, and there are currently nearly 500 Golden Corral buffets in the United States, and sales uh, reflected a steady progression. Now, larger families are still very much the target demographic for the buffet. Uh, In many American families, both the parents work full-time jobs and there's, you know, less time to repair meals at home every night. Uh, So it's a lot easier to pack the kids in the car, head down, and let them have at it. You know, I mean, it's all you can eat, right? Well, in 2014, Carrie Cramp, who was the CEO of the Sizzler chain, said that her company specifically does not use the term all you can eat. Instead, Sizzler used the, quote, all you care to eat, end quote. And that's because, uh, as she put it, sometimes guests misperceive these types of promotions, and they take it as a challenge to potentially overconsume. That's not what we hope for. (laughs) I should hope not. Anyway, it's all you care to eat. Let's close this out by going back to Las Vegas, if you will. You know, back in the early 90s, there was a, a modernization of Las Vegas, if you will, and it was in full swing and it was launched by the mirage and the rio the rio introduced several innovations besides their all suite hotel they had the super buffet the rio's carnival world buffet was a giant sort of leap from the normal steam table into the serving islands concept and they would dish up specific cuisines american mexican italian pizza chinese etc etc the super buffet took the town by storm, and pretty soon buffets all up and down the Strip were expanding their, their uh, cuisines. Then in the late 90s, super buffets separated into two different camps when the Bellagio, they introduced their gourmet super buffet, and that was noticeably better fare at noticeably higher prices. Planet Hollywood and Paris and the wind and the aria all followed suit, until Caesars hit the mark uh, of the breed with its Bacchanal Buffet for dinner weekends, which costs $58 a person. Oh, where is Herb McDonald and his $1 Buckaroo Bonanza Buffet when you need him? That was then. This is now. Now, if you will allow me for just a couple of minutes here, I need to inject some uh, realism. All this is talking about buffets in a historical sense you know, all the way back to, oh, let's say February of this year, because since then you can't do a buffet and it's going to be, again, a long time before you ever will. So we're sort of living in the past about what buffets were like and uh, things that happened with them. And maybe someday, just maybe, who knows what year, will once again be able to go to a buffet. Well, the clock on the wall definitely tells me it's time to wrap this up. So what have we learned uh, in this episode? Well, we learned that the French made me stand up and eat and drop a meatball. Uh, It's all you care to eat. And there's no way on earth I'm paying $58 for a buffet. And maybe, just maybe, buffets will be back. That's going to do it for me. Thank you so much for tuning and listening. I always appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes, You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20 Y N G B. 20 M-Y-N-G-B and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back Uh, if you sign up there you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded and if you want to leave some comments by all means please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com so it's 20minutespodcast.com and uh, you can uh, leave your comments there it also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show so Take, take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye.